Welcome to Game of Stones, everybody. I am Sean Graham. Scott is back in the nation's capital to be alongside, as always. Hello, Scott. Hey, Sean. How's it going today? Good. So you are back in the city, but you're not actually alongside. We are doing this via Skype on your new microphone, which you have placed in the middle of the cave. Yeah, it's in a cave here. It's... uh... You know, uh, I'm trying to do my best, but uh, this is what you get when you buy a microphone from uh, from China. So. There you go. So, um, so you're back. It is currently, as we are recording this, minus 14 degrees outside. Scott, how uh, how are you coping, buddy? Well, you know what, Sean, I'm really missing the West Coast. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, posted some nice photos from there, and oh, geez, it makes me question my my life choices coming back and <laughs> holy cow i was walking across the bridge today uh the laurier bridge and was just like oh my god this sucks uh, wind in my face like ugh. yeah and there is a wind tunnel you don't quite get to it where you are but there is a bit of a wind tunnel between the D building and the university of ottawa campus which is absolutely horrendous uh, and i was walking across the interprovincial bridge today fortunately on the way back across after it got really cold the wind was at my back but uh, I certainly walked like four minutes faster across that bridge. That's how hard the wind is right now. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. I'm uh, I'm hoping winter isn't here for good, Sean. It is. I'm hoping it is. Oh God! But think it's about the... six months. <laughs> but think about the children. You know, once the canal is frozen, kids will have that much more time to go skating, have family fun. Yeah, Sean, I'm always thinking about the children. We do it for the kids. <laughs> you know it, you know it. But there's been a lot of curling on, so uh, it's a good way to cope. I'd there you say. go. Yeah, exactly. So there has been a lot of curling going on. We are going to start today with the situation in Red Deer, which has been analyzed over and over. And in terms of the actual event itself, I don't really have much to add from what everybody else has said. Uh, if, if you're not familiar with what's going on, Jamie Cooey, Ryan Fry, Chris Shilley, and DJ Kidby, they were playing together at the Red Deer event last weekend, and they were kicked out of the event on Saturday afternoon. The headline, of course, is that they were extremely intoxicated. I think the thing that's been missed in the coverage of this, particularly by places that don't cover curling, is that they weren't kicked out for being drunk. They were kicked out because Ryan Fry was being completely inappropriate uh he was breaking brooms there was damage to the locker room and that's why they were kicked out they weren't kicked out for being drunk the the intoxication may have contributed to the behavior but they were kicked out for the behavior and that's something that in the coverage i think is being lost a little bit yeah you're right sean you're right uh i know you and i both like listening to the tony kornheiser show and it was funny to uh yes <laughs> hear this come up uh, the other day yes jamie co and uh, chris shill as they call them shill yeah. yeah come on nigel <laughs> uh so yeah it's been uh you're, you're right i don't think people are understanding that it wasn't being drunk you know and you see all these posts uh, on news articles and stuff people saying oh 
curling and drinking goes hand in hand. And we've talked a lot on this show. Uh, well, maybe not a lot, but about, you know, good beer at the curling club being pretty important. For sure. So, uh, yes, there is a culture uh, of drinking and having a pop or two. And uh, as the two girls said, you know, uh, maybe the men tend to do it a little bit more than the women. Yep. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, the fun can get a little too too much at times. Yeah, and I, I think the, the point that <laughs> Mike Fournier made on his blog, which is really good, is that if you look at the people who were involved in this incident, and not Jamie Cooey, like let's set Jamie Cooey and DJ Kidby aside. Uh, so let's set half of the team aside. <laughs> um, but Chris Shilley and Ryan Fry are prone to some emotional outburst on the ice. We've seen it before. We talked about it a couple of weeks ago with Fry when mm-hmm. Team Jacobs won the Tour, cha- tour Challenge, and Shilley's been ejected from a provincial final for kicking stones. So when I saw that these two people were involved, it wasn't surprising to me. I'm actually somewhat relieved that Chris Shilley was trying to calm it down. I, yeah. I honestly did not expect that when I first saw this in the statement that came out today from the folks in Red Deer and the World Curling Tour that it was Fry and that Shilly and Kidby were trying to calm everything down to no avail. That I, I believe the quote from the club manager was that Fry was at that point where it didn't matter what anybody said to him. So that was right. somewhat relieving. But it's 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 as as Fournier said, I think really, really well that He's somebody who we've seen have these outbursts before, and if alcohol was a contributing factor to it, then obviously that's not a good thing. But again, they weren't kicked out for being drunk. But that does lead us to what happened today, which is one of the reasons we're recording. Uh, we're uh, my thought was just to leave it as was being reported, but mm-hmm. there is actual sort of on the ice ramifications now that Ryan Fry has announced that he is going to take a leave of absence from Team Jacobs. This is, at the moment we're recording, it is indefinite. They have not said when he might return to the team. It will be at least the next couple of events in early December. First, the uh, Canada Cup, and then the whatever the next uh, Grand Slam is, the one that is out in Newfoundland and Conception Bay. So he will not partake in those two events. Team Jacobs has not announced who will play. I would be very surprised if it's not Tanner Horgan, to be honest. Uh, I actually said this to you the other day that this might be the start of a process through which in 2021 Tanner Horgan is the third at the Roar of the Rings for Team Jacobs, but that's really premature. But just as a curling thing, that Ryan Fry is no longer, at least until the new year, going to be part of Team Jacobs. So what, what was your take when you saw this today, Scott? Sean, my immediate take was thinking back to the conversation that dominated our ride home from the airport the other day, uh-huh. uh, which was you picking me up saying, oh, my gosh, have you been seeing what's going on? And me having been in an airplane saying, oh, no, fill me in. And it took, you know, 20 minutes of of talking about <laughs> it uh, yes, to, to fill me in on what was going on. But uh, the, what you said exactly is uh, this opens the door for Tanner Horgan to step in and get get some reps on a national scale. He is he has been their fifth player uh, this season and last year at the Briar. Yep. What you said about about maybe the team was looking for a way to shake it up. 
they had a not very successful quadrennial, I think, by their standards. Yes, by their standards, no. Like the, the they won the Briar in 2013, then they win the trials in December of 2013, go to the Olympics and win, and since then they have been unsuccessful at Briars. Well, unsuccessful. They haven't won one. Right. right. They've been to the playoffs. They've, but... been, they've been to the finals. That again, that Pat Simmons draw is one of the greatest things. Uh, yeah, you're right. You'll ever see. And and they lost. They were on the the losing end of that shot. So they've been successful. They've made the playoffs a bunch of times. Played in the, the final. But they haven't won another Briar. Haven't had a chance yeah. to go back to a world championship. They were not good at the trials in December. No, they were not good. They were slamming brooms there. Yep. And you thought, okay, this team needs a breath of fresh air. Uh, what's it going to be? And it seems like this event that transpired was the straw that broke the back for having the team mix it up. You did see at the last slam, they won. Yes. And that it was sort of that relief of we did it, we won. They were really fired up. You, you heard a, an F-bomb dropped on the, uh, <laughs> on the broadcast if you, you were listening. So maybe that was like that looked to be, okay, they've got this sort of monkey off their back. They'll be fine. But then with this, uh, this event here seems like, okay, now we've got an excuse. Maybe we can, we can shake things up and it, and it's okay because there's a reason. Yeah. And, and I, we should say too that Ryan Fry, this is in his statement, he, says that he is taking the time to improve himself and he doesn't say what the issue is and it would be very irresponsible for us to speculate on what that issue is but he does say in his statement that this was not something that is a a, just happened on saturday Mm -hmm. that saturday is the culmination of or, or maybe the public something of a longer or a bigger issue that he now is going to confront and deal with and and full marks to ryan fry for doing that and for admitting it and hopefully he can get the help and the support that he and his family need to overcome whatever this is for him yeah yeah exactly sean and and he didn't say what's going on and nor should he have to yeah he has no responsibility Uh, to anyone in the public to say anything yeah i think he has he had the responsibility which it appears as though he's done to uh, get in touch with the people in Red Deer at the club, to get in touch with his opponents in Red Deer, the people on the ice, the other competitors. He has a responsibility to apologize to them. He doesn't owe them an explanation of the, the cause of this, but he does owe personal apologies to them, which from all accounts he has done. Uh, but in terms of the public, I think the, the two statements that he's put out, and hopefully for him and for everyone around him, that there is... A, a positive conclusion to all this. Yeah, exactly, Sean, exactly. I, uh, I saw a tweet from Devin Hero earlier today uh, saying that Ryan Fry had been fined by Curling Canada. No, by, by the World Curling Tour. By the World Curling Tour, sorry. Uh, and that that money will be donated to Red Deer Junior Curling. Yes, and, and there's a, a bit of an indication that he will also make uh, an additional donation on top of that to Red Deer Junior Curling. It was unclear because he said he would 
make a donation. Then it came out that he was going to be fine. So, uh, so what the total is, I mean, that's not that the biggest deal in the world, but certainly, uh, uh, hopefully we're leading to a good end here. Yeah, it's not nothing. It's not nothing. And, uh, our friend Steph, uh, texted me today, Steph B to protect her anonymity, (laughs) uh, texted me and said, do you think Brian Fry will be the new Joe Franz? Oh, that's interesting. Um, so he's better than Joe France. Um, okay. Okay. Uh, He he won an Olympic gold medal as the girls rightly pointed out. This is an international story because it's a gold medalist. Yes, exactly. If it was just four guys, uh, at a spiel, if it was even, even if it was really good elite level players, if this was, if this was Jamie Murphy's team that this happened to, this isn't an international story. It's because Fry won a gold medal that this is an international story. Yeah, you're. Yeah, I guess that's fair. That's fair. Because uh, because so so Joe got a ban for cocaine, I believe. Yes, I believe uh, that's right. And he he played third with John Morris at the 2003 Briar, I think. Yeah, it was the early early aughts. Oh three or oh four. Yeah, I, I I know him because I, I worked at the curling club in in town where I grew up with him. Uh, so I was rooting for him hard at that, uh, at that briar there. And, uh, but he hasn't really come back into the competitive curling world since then. I've seen his name, you know, he plays a few spiels in Ontario and stuff, but, yeah, he's uh, played in a provincial championship. He's made it back to the provincials. Yeah. And I think even a final, um, where they lost to Glenn a few right. years back, but, uh, but sort of hasn't been able to get back on the national stage. So do you think going forward uh, that this could be the case for, for Ryan Fry? No, I don't because uh, a, they're two very different things. Um, what Joe Franz did and, and good for Joe Franz again for uh, being able to, to sort of get over his addiction issues and, and continue to play. Uh, but Ryan Fry has always been a better player than Joe Franz. And with this, it's not this. It, it, we don't know what the issue is, right? So right. It, it's hard to make that comparison and say one or the other. And because that Jacobs team has been together for so long, and I was in the media, I was in the scrum with Brad Jacobs after that last game at the Roar of the Rings. And mm-hmm. in that moment, one, he, you could just see his shoulders were were down like all week he was sort of hunched up and he was super tense and just the relief almost on his face after that event was over but in that moment he was asked what happens with the team and he and i i can only assume that they had talked about it before but there was no hesitation when he said we are all together now this is our team this is who i want to play with these are the guys i want to play with and fry is part of that and even though you know, he did live in the Sioux for a while. Now he's gone out to Calgary. I th- it, it seems to me from an outsider perspective, I've never talked to Ryan Fry, I don't think. Uh, I, I've talked to, uh, I don't know if I've talked to either of the Hardens before, but I, I've been in a couple of scrums with Brad Jacobs. And I believed him when he said that. And I think that because of the history they have together, 
that if Ryan Fry is able to get whatever he needs, that he will be welcomed back into the team. I, I, I do think that it does open the door to a Tanner Horgan coming in, but those personal relationships are so strong that I don't think that they would not have him back if he fulfills whatever commitment he has made to the team. Right on. Right on. Okay. Okay. I thought it was a question worth asking. No, I think it's, I think, I think it's a fair question uh, for sure. Now, the other thing, Scott, that I wanted to talk about with this is, uh, so let's separate everything else. Like, so I think Jamie Cooey, uh, DJ Kidby's, I think their statements were on point. I, I feel bad for Carrie Galusha that she has gotten dragged into this. Um, mm-hmm. But her statement, I think, was very good. Uh, Chris Shilley, uh, I, th- I think he was right to take down his initial tweet from Sunday. Uh, which oh, he, did, he, he did ha- delete it. He has, it has since been deleted, uh, where he was very upset, it seemed, with the people in Red Deer. But he has taken that tweet down. And his... Public comments, I think, have been on point as well. The the there's one group or one organization that I think has been very bad on this, and it is Curling Canada. I, I where is Curling Canada in this? They issued a statement on Sunday after Fry put out his initial statement that said Ryan Fry will have no other comments, and then they put out a statement today saying that they don't condone the actions in Red Deer, but are supporting Ryan Fry moving forward. There was nothing in the interim there. The discussions about code of conduct or that that the World Curling Tour is having, any sort of public discussion of what this means for the Jacob teams or, or how this reflects on curling, they're nowhere to be found in this. Mm-hmm. And... I, I think that as the organization that is responsible for curling in this country, they are, they should have been more active in this, at least in a public way. I'm sure they were very active behind the scenes, but this, the way in which Curling Canada has dealt with this, again, in the communications public relations standpoint, it is another sign to me that curling Canada is not serving the fans that curling Canada is more concerned with serving the players, the elite level players at the expense of the fans. And to a certain extent at at, at the expense of the grassroots level, this is something that easy. It's an easy statement to come out on Sunday and say, you know, we've heard about what happened in red deer. We don't condone these actions. This is not what curling is supposed to be about. Like it's right. it's not hard to do that, but they all they say is Ryan Fry will have no comment. The statement today, I, I, to me, it's a continuation of what I've seen at events with the way in which some members of Curling Canada deal with the players, and they don't want hard questions. They don't want any really critical discussion. They just want the promotion of the players in the best possible light. And I, I, I'm not a journalist per se, but I've had people from Curling Canada stop interviews, stop scrums, because they didn't like questions. And to me, that's not Curling Canada's job. And I, I just, 
the I just don't understand what is happening with the organization. And again, not this is not solely on this event, but to me, this is another example of the divide that I see within curling Canada between the elites and the elite players and the fans, where the organization is taking the side of the players at the expense of the fans. So that's my take. Yeah, Sean, uh, that's, that was a lot to, uh, <laughs> to hear. Um, I, I was looking at uh, Curling Canada's vision and their mandate, uh, and their mission is to encourage and facilitate the growth and development of curling in cooperation with our network of affiliates. So Curling Canada's job, as I see it, is not to make sure that journalists can ask tough questions. So like that part, I, I, I don't agree with you. I don't think that, uh, I think their job is to promote the growth and development of curling by putting the curlers in as good a light as possible. However, at the same time, they sh that shouldn't be done while not encouraging the growth of the sport. And I think that's where, uh, that's where they're falling a bit short here by sticking by the elite players more than they're sticking by some of these other players that were at the same event. You know what I mean? Yes, I do. So, so because Ryan Fry and all of Team Jacobs are receiving money from Curling Canada for uh, for their elite uh, elite team status, they're sticking by that rather than sticking by the, the other players that were under. Right, and and that's exactly what's going on. But you also have these international outlets. I saw a tweet that somebody in New Zealand heard about this on the radio. So this yeah. is an international story, and Curling Canada, if they're growing the game, and the way in which the the way in which Curling Canada, uh, and again, not the entire organization, certain members of Curling Canada fawned over the Washington Post and the New York Times when they showed up to the Continental Cup last year. They clearly care about international coverage. They want it. They crave it. This was the most exciting thing, it seemed, that, that happened uh, at the Continental Cup. Forget the fact that it came down to a last rock draw. Uh, for some members who were there, the fact that the New York Times showed up was the biggest deal. And all this is going on, and people are... Like, if you look at the coverage that we saw at places like Sports Illustrated, we talked about Tony Kornheiser, it was all on the phrase extremely drunk. Yeah, yeah. So it doesn't it doesn't help grow the sport. It, it's not something that I think is representative of curling in, in general. Now, I, everyone has talked about how they've played games where in, in situations where they wouldn't have driven, say. But I don't know. I just think that they could have been a lot more proactive here and a lot more effective in their communication of curling Canada's position on this and gotten maybe not ahead of the story because the story broke before maybe even anyone there knew about it, but at least in all these stories, like how your voice should be there as curling Canada to, to, Enforce, not enforce, but to maybe 
reiterate the fact that this is an isolated incident and it is not reflective of the sport as a whole. And that's, yeah, th that's where a, I'm wondering where they were. A statement like that would have been perfect. Yeah. Because you're right. My friends who don't follow curling, who I don't even know if they subscribe to our podcast, which is insane. Uh, <laughs> uh, they're texting me about, Oh my God, Scott, have you heard this story? Oh, here's the story. Like, I think I got four or five different texts from friends that don't, don't even follow curling. Right. And, uh, yeah, that's not like, yeah, we'll, we'll drink beers out of Bondsfield. We'll drink beers after the game. Occasionally we'll have one before the game, but it's, it's pretty rare. I mean, uh, in, in all the Bondsfields I've done, it's pretty rare to, like, I, I've never been drunk at a Bondsfield. Right. So. Yeah. The, I, the only I, time I, I remember really it. going out sort of quote unquote drunk was and it's actually fitting as we're recording this on thanksgiving eve here american thanksgiving eve was one year on american thanksgiving i had spent the the bulk of the day uh, of a, uh i took the day off and went uh -huh. out uh and was watching the games had a couple drinks and and had lunch and then we played an early game that night and i may i i remember sliding out and somebody said to me you looked really focused on that slide to like, I, I look like I was trying not to fall, but I mean, I, by the end of the first end, I felt fine. Oh yeah. Yeah. But, I but mean... it's, but yeah. So it's, and again, it's not, it's not just the drinking, it's the breaking of the brooms and that sort of stuff. That's so, you know, you can associate curling with consuming alcohol the extremely drunk part and the behavior that was exhibited in Red Deer, that's the stuff that is not emblematic of the sport. And again, that's just where I think Curling Canada needed to be. Yeah, I think you're right, Sean. I think you're right. All right. Any, so let's, uh, yeah, let's move on. Yeah, let's that, go eh? on. Let's. There's more positive things to talk Well, actually, not really more positive. If you're thinking about our picks there, Scott, my goodness. So the, uh, the uh, European Curling Championships are ongoing over there in um uh estonia and estonia. Uh, actually uh twine time is there scott i don't know if you saw that on twitter today yeah uh, i favored his tweet yeah so he, there you go so, so he's there doing some live coverage of the events but we just wanted to do a quick update on our picks contest with our friends from rocks across the pond oh, and so you, you wrote down our picks yes i do uh -oh. sad sadly i have them uh, recorded here <laughs> So let's get into this, and um, let's start on the women's side here, Scott. And there is a bit of a surprise, I think, on what's going on here on the women's side, where we have the, uh, if we look at the competition matrix here from World's Curling, that Switzerland is the undefeated team. If you had told me that with one game left in the round robin, that there would be an undefeated team... Switzerland might have been my second choice, uh, but I don't think that would have been my first choice. No, Sean, you're right. You're right. But uh, what's what's happened with Anna Hasselberg's team is that they have uh, had some illness right. spread through their team. So uh, they, you know, they dropped a couple of games, which I think none of us were were thinking they would, but uh, their fifth player, uh, Johanna Heldin, uh, has been playing, uh, I think she played two games with the team. Okay. So, 
there's been some, you know, some missing and juggling of the lineups and everything. So, uh, given what they went through, and given that we still think they're the best team in the world, yes, uh, they're sitting at six and two and are into the playoffs. So, uh, you know, yes, it's surprising that Switzerland is eight and zero, given what we talked about them coming from Canada into uh, back to Europe to play this. Uh, and they switched their lineup back. At the Grand Slam, they had uh, Terenzoni throwing last, and, and here they've gone back to Alina Pats throwing last. And, uh, yeah, they're they're making it look easy. They really are, and they are just rolling through the competition. If you look at the plus-minus, which I'm a big fan of, obviously when you mm-hmm. haven't lost, you're going to have a pretty good plus. They've scored 68 points. They've given up only 33 points. They have scored four ends of four or more points and have not given up one such end. They've only given up one three and only four deuces through the competition so far. Their force efficiency, Scott, is 86% right now. Wow. uh, Which is blowing away the field. The next highest team is Sweden at 68%. This is, right now, they're like a hot knife going through butter in this field. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're uh, they they had the, some tough games early, I think. So uh, they they were sort of able to gain momentum and have managed to keep it throughout the week. Yeah, so so they're really crushing it here. The the one thing that is left to decide here on the women's side is who gets the fourth spot. Uh, Switzerland and Sweden are in. Russia is also into the playoffs, and right now Germany has the leg up, but uh, they're at five and three. Scotland is at four and four. That's Everyone else is out for the playoff picture, but Germany plays Sweden tomorrow. That's the, their one game left, while mm-hmm. Scotland plays the Swiss. So it's going to be an interesting uh, early Friday there over uh, at uh, Tallinn for who goes through. Two tough games for both those teams. Wouldn't actually be surprised if both of them lose those games. But uh, what we would need for a tiebreaker is Scotland to win and Germany to lose. Yes, and uh, I always like the tiebreakers, so I'm rooting for that. Yeah, uh, as am I, because I have Scotland winning the bronze medal. So it would be helpful for our picks here if Scotland makes the playoffs. At the other end of the women's side, in terms of who's going down, we have a three-way tie right now in eighth place between the Czech Republic, Finland, and Italy. Yeah, Czech Republic, Sean, I'm I'm really, really surprised. Yes, you had them winning there. the you had them winning the bronze medal. Yeah, for them to be this low in the competition, I'm I'm like legitimately surprised. That I thought they were playing well on the European tour this year. Not exactly sure what's happened. Uh, all the games have been at night. I when I was out west, I was able to watch like half of the first game of the day. It came on at 11 11 p.m. there. Right. Uh, but since then, since I've been back, I haven't really been able to watch any except just uh, some highlights here and there. So yeah. I'm not not sure what happened. Um, I'm I'm sad about it. <laughs> uh, pretty sad about it. Pretty bad last stone efficiency. Only at 24%. So that sort of tells the tale right there. And yeah. then being, yeah, yeah. So not great. Really, really not very good at all. Um... Now, based on the numbers, though, Italy has been worse. Um, yeah. Finland has been about the same. And now you're looking forward as to who's going to 
go down to that B side. And if we look ahead to the last round robin game, the Czech Republic actually plays Finland. So, oh. uh, and the Italians play the Latvians. So we could actually have a situation where we'd have three teams tied at three and six. And then whoever loses that game between the Czech Republic and Finland would automatically go down. And then we'd have, I don't know what the process is in terms of tiebreakers, that kind of thing. But uh, certainly whoever loses now in that next game between the Czech Republic and the Finns is certainly going down. Yeah, it uh, might be on last or uh, last stone draw. Yeah, unless there's one uh, team that's – maybe there's a – if one team is 0-2 against the other two or something. But uh, Yeah, well, looking at the, the results so far, Czech Republic and Italy are about 1.3 centimeters different with Italy being on top right now. So, okay. so And then Latvia, Latvia about uh, 8 or 9 centimeters better. So still one draw to go. Yeah. Now we both have Latvia, Latvia, and Finland going down. So uh, if there's a way to manufacture that, that would be ideal. That would be pretty good. That would be pretty good. Uh, but it looks like we probably will get one right there. But let's not count any chickens before they hatch here. So um, let's move on to the men's side here, Scott. Where again, uh, there's been a couple surprising things here for me. Uh, the biggest one is that. Switzerland is four and four and very much in danger of not making the playoffs. Yeah, they they had a, a couple of tough games early. I they played Sweden in the first draw and really controlled the first half of the game. And then I went to sleep and woke up and you know the Vikings had awoken in the back half of the game, got some misses and uh, ended up taking it. So um, right there, they had a, like pretty tough start. Looking at uh, shooting percentages, they're still shooting 83% as a team. Right. Uh, which is tied for third. So, you know, just missing the wrong shots at the wrong time. Yeah. And if you look at the, the standings, they've beat everybody who's below them and they've lost to everybody who is ahead of them. Their one game left is against Norway tomorrow. And that'll be a pretty big game because that might give them a chance to get to a tiebreak because that would bring Norway back to four losses. They would also need Germany to lose their game, but they're playing Sweden. So uh, a very likely situation. So if the Swiss can win and get that game, then we have a three-way tie for that last spot. That's right. That's right. So uh, that would be, I mean, that would be pretty exciting, I think, to see who among those three teams could grab that last playoff spot because we know that Norway and Switzerland are both capable, right? And then they would be the team that would play Sweden in that semifinal game. Yeah. Uh, which, which I think, I think I can speak for everyone when I say I'd, I'd really like to see it because it's not just a given in Sweden. No, you're, you're, you're right. Yeah. It's because uh, we've, we've seen the Peter de Cruz team beat Eden before. So, oh, yeah. Uh, certainly not at the realm of possibility. If we look at the bottom of the standings here, the Dutch and the Polish team are at one and seven. But Scott, in a beautiful turn of fate, they play each other in the last draw. Yeah. So someone is going to two wins, which means that the Finns and the Russians might have something to worry about. The Finnish team is playing Scotland, 
and the Russians are playing the Italians, so uh, two teams that are at 6-2. and two. So it is possible that we will have a three-way tie at 2-7 and seven for that last uh, relegation spot. Yeah, and, and similar to the Czechs on the women's side, I, I'm pretty surprised to see the Dutch team down here. Uh, Jaap Van Dorp, of course, uh, we've seen him at World Championships before. Not, you know, not making the top of the table or anything, but uh, listening to our competitors talk, uh, Jonathan, I think, was pretty high on Jaap Van Dorp uh, this week. So a little bit of a surprise to see him down at the bottom. Yeah, and the thing too is that he uh, that team is only minus twelve. They're one and seven, but on the plus Ooh. minus they're only minus seven. Now they did beat the Finnish team by ten, which of course helps in that. Oh, um, yeah. But if you you know they they lost by a point to the Germans, they lost by a point to the Norwegians, uh, they lost by three to Russia and to Scotland. But they've had a few close games there. They got blown out by the Swiss and the Swedes uh, and the Italians as well. But couple games here and there you know you lose two one point games and that flips your week from being a surefire we're going to make it to the world championships to now mm-hmm. we're in this last draw with a potential of going down yeah absolutely it's a uh, uh, game of inches sure is. it sure is so if we look take let's take a quick look then on the b side where I'll just first oh, shot before we go like yeah. we should mention that italy is six and two uh joel yes. return as uh, one of those teams that we, I think we talked about him having the potential to be a dark horse, but I don't think anybody uh, expected six and two. No, we did not have him anywhere on our picks. No, no. For the top four or the relegation. He just right. didn't make our picks at all. And as I look, he did not make the picks for the uh, rocks across the pond sky either. <laughs> So yeah, um, no, but uh, great week, uh, great week for them so far. Let's uh, see how it goes in a semifinal. For sure. So now let's take a quick look here at the B side. Uh, not really that much to talk about here on the men's side. The Czech Republic team is six and zero, which is I think to be expected. On the women's side, Norway and Turkey have qualified for the playoffs. England and Estonia are in the driver's seat for the playoff spots. There. And otherwise, nothing is too surprising, I think, for, for my take. But uh, what do you think, Scott, on the, the women's, men's B-side? Uh, I don't think anything because I can't pull up the schedules here. All right. So uh, I think uh, good enough. Right on. So there you go. So the only thing I will say is that uh, on a personal note, on the men's side, I had France making it up to the A. And they are currently 0-6. So there you go. But I also had the Czech Republic, which is 6-0. and So, you know, you take what you can get. Uh, Scott, you had Spain, which uh, is currently 4-2, and and Belarus, uh, which is also 4-2 and on the other draw. So you're in pretty good shape. It's almost like I knew what I was talking about, Sean. <laughs> I've, I've, go. got the, I've got the standings here now. So Okay, and we both had Latvia and uh, Finland on the... Uh, women's side, is that right? Oh, so we you had know, that's the sorry, that's uh, to be relegated. Uh, I we both had yeah. Hungary going forward in this. They're at four and four. Maybe you have a chance to get to a tie break. You had Estonia, which is at five and three, and mm-hmm. I had the Norwegians, which have qualified at seven and one. 
Right on, yeah. It's uh, looking like fun times there. Yeah, so we'll, what we're going to do at the end of the week, this all wraps up on Saturday, we are going to tabulate our scores with the guys from Rocks Across the Pond, and we'll see who loses. Yeah. And who has to drink terrible beer. And what I'm going to propose, well, actually, I'm not going to propose it, I'm proposing it right now, is that <laughs> this terrible beer challenge, uh, you have to consume the beer whilst doing a episode so you can hear the reaction to the terribleness of whatever it is you're consuming. Okay, and have we decided on our terrible beer? Not yet, no. That is still open for discussion. So if anyone out there has ideas for what we should be subjected to, uh, I'm okay with that. Uh, I was thinking of like a Laker lager or something terrible like that. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, yeah, something like that. Well, but yeah, we'll see. But Scott, it's irrelevant. We're going to win. Doesn't You're right, Sean. Yeah, it is. We're... We're really good at this. <laughs> yeah, this is this is what we do, so we'll be we'll be fine. I think I don't know. I haven't actually done any math on this, um, but what I think we should do is, and I think it applies to both us and them, is that if you picked a team in the A to make the playoffs and they get relegated, that should be minus a point. Oh, is what I think should happen. Um, but we'll we'll play that out with them. So. Uh, so enjoy this weekend uh, with the, the, the games. I think TSN has picked it up, and it's certainly available online. So if you can watch, please do. It's a really good event. And the finals go Saturday. This is a Saturday finish over there in Tallinn. Right on. Sounds good. I'm, uh, I'm excited to watch. So Yeah, so uh, the only other news that came out this week that I've seen is that the World Curling Federation has announced that TSN is going to cover the World Cup. No surprise there. As will NBC in the United States. No word in the release that I saw as to whether or not TSN is going to pick up NBC coverage or if NBC would pick up TSN coverage. I think the former is much more likely because TSN's crew would be at the Canada Cup that weekend. Yeah, exactly, Sean. I think they'll be picking up the... Uh, uh, world curling broadcast like like they did in China. But unless NBC covers it, which I think they, again, there's no indication in this release, but as the guy, as the Rocks Across the Pond guy talk about, they should, like NBC should cover this. NBC <laughs> yeah. should not air the world feed. You're right. They, yeah, they really should. But, so, uh... so, so if NBC, so let's say NBC covers it, if they use their Olympic crew, in which Kevin Martin is a member, then maybe TSN is somewhat inclined to pick that up, even though Kevin Martin, I know, does the Grand Slams with Sportsnet, but maybe they're inclined to do that. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Uh, to be honest, I, I wouldn't be like hopeful that NBC is going to do it, but I understand what you're saying, and I agree that they should, but I think it's much more likely that... Uh, It'll be the world curling TV folks that we've grown used to. Yes, which is good. I like Heron Rona. Yeah, many, many congratulations. <laughs> is her? It'll be interesting. Yes, it is. Yeah, she's she's very good at it. Um, yeah. She can just slide it in nicely. Um, <laughs> so there you go. So that's all the news and views from this week. And again, we weren't really going to do one because there's, you know, the way it was before today wasn't 
really that interesting from an on the ice perspective, I didn't think. Uh, but with Fry going out, that gives us something to talk about in terms of the on the ice stuff. And uh, and again, uh, I just hope that for everybody involved, uh, especially for Fry, his family, and and the team, that everything works out. That's, yeah, Sean, for sure. Like we don't about. we don't really know anything. We're just a couple of guys talking about curling. So there you go. So uh, uh, don't so don't at, don't at me. Don't at. Me. <laughs> um, so, uh, oh, speaking of which, I don't know if you saw this. Uh, the team that won the event in Red Deer, mm-hmm. they put out a tweet, Team uh, Hartung, I think is how you say that. Uh, yeah. They're the team who was playing against the Kui team when all this went down. So they posted a tweet that just said uh, that they've had a nice year. They haven't tweeted this year at all, this season, and just said they just said they just recently won the Red Deer Curling Classic. Uh, and they have a couple weeks off before their next field. That's all they said. Um, <laughs> and Curling Geek tweeted that this was the 2018 nominee for the most understated tweet of the season. Um, <laughs> but a classy move for them to stay out of the fray. And, and I, I would agree with that, that there was no need for them to, because they, they certainly could have sort of gotten in there and sort of put out some details and all that, but they have not. Right. They've stayed above it. So uh, good on them, I think. Yeah, good on for sure, and congratulations for the the big win. Yeah, that's a good that's a good event. That's a thirty five thousand dollar event. Yeah, yeah, no so, doubt. So, uh, hey, uh, Sean, just before we go, did you see any uh, any of this back and forth on Twitter today uh, concerning the qualification of a couple teams, Team Myers and yes, uh, uh, going in? Do you want to talk about that at all, or do yeah, let, yeah, no, let's talk about this real quick. So, uh, John Collin, who curls out of bc he also does the stone and straw podcast he tweeted something out that after scott mcdonald and kirk myers got into the next grand slam in the concept in conception bay that there should be more tier two events and that there should be more opportunities for tier two teams and this prompted a rather lengthy discussion between himself and Braden muscawi was involved, Mike Harris got involved, and essentially the positions on the other side were we pay a lot of money, we invest a lot of money and time to this, and if you want to play, this is what you got to do. Right, and so Braden Muscawi is saying basically like, put the money in, get better, and you'll be able to go to more events, and, and there you go. Whereas John Cullen is saying, hey, like, I can't spend a hundred thousand dollars curling because right. we're not making that amount of money because exactly. we we don't go to those events. So, uh, yeah. So it was like it, it was a little bit heated, and I'm looking at John Collins' Twitter now, yes. and he's like, "Oh, I had a good chat with uh, Braden." Yeah, I saw that. And they've come to a bit of a detente. Yes. Uh, his first tweet before that was actually. Uh, so after 12 hours of debate, I've decided to adopt the position that climate change is going to kill us any other yeah. all anyway. Who cares about curling? Yeah. But uh, yeah, it seems like so. What he his position is that he thinks curling should have a more defined second tier, like uh, a strata of events that are for the teams that aren't playing in the bigger Grand Slam events. So you can't have a team like like Brendan Botcher say who was in this Red Deer Curling Classic, they, they don't just show up and say, hey, we want to play this event, so we're, we're here and we're going to beat everybody. 
Right. That there which should they, be which they didn't. No, they didn't. But, but there should be something. Uh, and and part of John Collins' position is is playing BC that it's difficult. And then Braden Muscawi, one of his responses was that hey, there was no WCT events in, in Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan, but yeah. it's a lot easier having lived in Saskatchewan. It's a lot easier to drive from Regina to Red Deer than it is from um, Vancouver. Vancouver, yeah, to, yeah. to Red Deer. So you know the the finance is different. <laughs> when you're in BC that that's true versus Regina or, or really anywhere in Saskatchewan where you can drive to Winnipeg or to Calgary Edmonton or wherever in a neighboring province for less money. That being said, it is expensive to play and it is expensive to do it. And I agree though with John Collins, there, there does need to be a middle class of sorts. Cause right now it really feels like, I, I think he's spot on with this, that there's that elite level and then there's club level, and there's really nothing in between. And yeah. as it gets more elite and the the ability to play in those events, because it's not fun when you show up if you're a club curler, and that's what you want to be. If you, because I've had this happen a couple times where you have an elite team there, and it's not fun for them to run through everybody. It's not fun for everybody else to be run through. Mm-hmm. So what are we doing? And Right. There is there is not that sort of middle class. And we talked about it in his our in, in the episode about is curling sustainable. This is part of the problem where you want people to go play at other clubs, to play in spiels and to have fun and be if you want to be mildly competitive, that's great. But right now the opportunities for those teams are slightly diminishing. That being said, the Travelers Championship is currently going on, and that's cre- that was created to facilitate the middle class of people who want to be competitive but don't want to put in the time, money, to that elite level curling. Right. So uh, I think what Colin's looking for is a, a level between Travelers Championship and the elite level, so something like a bit more where you can go travel around, make some money and not, uh, you know, not break the bank. So something like in BC, they do have like a BC tour, which a lot of the BC teams play in. Uh, That's part of the world curling tour, but is sort of a, the the events are lesser events. Um, But something like that, that's maybe national would be interesting, uh, interesting for that level of player. Yeah, and, and I think too, Colin was, I think, correct to point out that this is not the Grand Slam's responsibility either. That Sportsnet yes. has no responsibility to put on a tier two at every event. Uh, that they do it at one, I think, is kind of remarkable because they have to lose money on that, uh, bringing in all those teams. I would to, imagine. To the yeah. Tour Challenge. So I, that's very much a grow the game initiative. And the question then is who, who pays for it? Where does the money come for that sort of thing? And it's a tough one because sponsors are going to go to the elite teams because they get the TV time and it makes sense. And and Curling Canada and the Canadian Olympic Committee have made it very clear where their funding efforts are going to be placed. Yeah, 100%. And again, it's understandable. Their mandate, their responsibility is to win at the international level. Their mandate isn't to have a middle class. Like Curling Canada has to facilitate club curling, but they don't have to facilitate people who want to travel around but not be at that elite competitive level. So where does that money come from? I don't know. 
but it's it's an interesting discussion. It was an interesting debate to follow along today, and and certainly the the thing that John Collin did mention that I think did ring true that a lot of the elite players who were liking Braden Muscawi's tweets in his position that they do have a bit of a vested interest in ensuring that there isn't a strong feeder system to the elite level. Yeah, absolutely. You know, if you know, if I can go to the Briar because I'm better than everybody, and why would I want why would I want other players getting better? Right. Yeah. So you, you don't. So, uh, yeah. So, but, yeah. Uh, Sean, speaking of growing the game, I'm looking at the standings for the Travelers. Yeah. And the women's side, Pool A, Northwest Territories, 4 0 so far. Wow, so, very impressive. And uh, Team Nunavut beat Team Quebec. Uh, yeah. For yeah. The, for their first win, uh, I believe since 2012 or something in that event. So, uh, great job by the North. Yeah, right on. Uh, so here we're seeing maybe, uh, you know, we see them go to the Scotties and the Briar and never win. And here you go. They get a, get a win out of it. Yeah. So good job by them. Uh, congratulations. Keep up the good work. And, uh, we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit next week when we come back. Uh, it is available. Uh, Caroline Canada is streaming some of these travelers games and certainly the playoffs would be available online so we'll be able to check out some of these teams right on uh i got plans for tonight right it's cool there you go so (laughs) uh so there you have it those are our thoughts on what has been a rather eventful week in the world of curling hopefully we can get back to more focus on the action on the ice scotty absolutely sean and uh sorry if my sound wasn't so great uh my furnace kicked on i've had to turn my furnace on Oh, wow. It's that cold. It's cold enough for me to turn my furnace on. Jeez. It's insane. Madness. I, uh, I slept with the window open while I was in BC. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can sleep with the window open here. You just won't be able to close it in the morning. Yeah, no oh boy. Yeah. Um, so there you go. So everyone who is in the uh, the National Capital Region, stay warm out there. And for those of you out in BC, well, good for you. Uh, if you haven't yet please do subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts Google Play all those fun places give us a like rating all that good stuff and do follow us on Twitter and Instagram both at Game of Stones Pod Scott is on Twitter at Scott Likes TV I am at Dr. Shawnee Fever you can get in touch with us at Game of Stones Podcast at gmail.com so until we talk to you next week enjoy the Europeans enjoy the travelers And we'll be back with you. But until then, keep your brooms on the ice and don't dump that intern.